0: And so I try to preach like a limitless belief system because people limit themselves so often, you know, before anybody else steps in and says a word, they're already saying like, I can't do this because sometimes, like you said, it's not even a conscious question. It's a, you know, it's a subconscious conversation they have with themselves where they automatically limited what they were capable of doing. So I try to tell people on a regular basis, like, you don't know how special you are. Like, use that, embrace it. Understand that there aren't many people, and really, there's no one like you, right? There's no one who specifically has your skill set, has your characteristics. So, like, trust that, embrace it, and go for it. Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional
1: achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And oh my goodness, this is a great episode with the great Jeremy Tomes, one of my friends who I've known for almost 20 years now. Somebody who I uh, knew growing up and somebody who I've become so impressed with today in what he is accomplishing, what he's been able to do in his career so far, and the example that he's setting. I mean, this is just somebody who I'm, I'm already feeling like I'm like, man, he's our friendship is growing so much deeper than it ever did growing up. But man, I think that you are going to really build a relationship with this individual today. You're going to learn so much today. You're going to learn about embracing and modeling excellence. You are going to learn about how to remove unproductive activities from your life. You are going to learn about how to build efficiencies into your life, into your business. You are going to learn about how to go big. And you are going to learn about how to design a lifestyle of limitless capacity from somebody who went from poor to middle class to entrepreneurial excellence and to professional excellence in so many regards and obviously creating and utilizing this beautiful vehicle in real estate to continually designing a greater lifestyle but also creating generational wealth so buckle up today's episode is so so good so valuable uh, you definitely want to get your notepad out or your note app out on your phone because today's episode is full Of distinctions. It's full of gold nuggets of wisdom. With all that said, let's dive in. I want to introduce you to the podcast. Of course, Elevate Podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and entrepreneur. It's my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? it is time let's raise the bar today because we're raising the bar pretty high today and uh, also by the way it's not unattainable how high we're raising that bar today anybody can do it if you're listening to this podcast you can do this i promise you i guarantee that you're going to see that look this person we're talking to is not perfect but he continues to push through those limiting beliefs he continues to have that conscious conversation with himself that says you know what what did i learn today where are my opportunities for growth today because you know it's not about being perfect but it is about continuing to make progress And today's episode is so good. I want to invite you to pay the fee. The fee is to pay it forward and share this episode with someone else that you care about or someone else that maybe you just met, somebody that you've known for a long time. Share this episode with them and tell them why you're sharing this episode. That's the fee for listening today. If you've done that in the past, we thank you so much. We just ask that you do that one more time. That's the only thing that I'm asking from the bottom of my heart. There's no cost other than help us spread the word. We're just trying to make a difference for other people. We are trying to spread abundance. That's what Elevate is all about. It's about anything is possible in your life. Anything is possible in real estate, it's all about personal development, it's all about mindset, mind expansion, and it's about creating systems and creating outcomes through this beautiful vehicle of real estate. Also, if you haven't done so already, subscribe, give us a rating, a review, And, you know, some people call it follow podcast now, so you can do that as well. And if it's your first time listening, welcome. This is going to be a good one for your first, first listen. So very excited to have you here today. And I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Jeremy Tomes, who is the co-founder, managing principal of New Homes Capital Management, a private real estate investment firm with offices in Charlotte, North Carolina and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with a focus on generating above average returns for high income investors who lack the time to invest in commercial and residential real estate opportunities on their own. Jeremy is also the host of the Big Law Capitalist podcast, showing attorneys and other highly compensated professionals how to start passively investing so that they can create the lifestyle of their dreams and live life on their own terms. Additionally, Jeremy is an active big law attorney at an Am Law 25 firm and an expert in generating passive income while working as a highly compensated professional through trial and error. He has built an impressive passive income portfolio with several streams of passive income and 100 plus cash flowing units in his real estate portfolio, all while working as a full-time commercial real estate attorney and closing billions of dollars in real estate transactions as an attorney. Without further ado, please enjoy this incredibly valuable conversation with Jeremy Tomes. Jeremy Tomes, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you doing? I'm doing
0: fantastic, man. It's an absolute honor and pleasure to be on the show, man. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you so much, man. You know, it's so funny as I was literally going to bed last night, I was laying down, I was kind of reflecting on my day. I was thinking about, you know, things that went well, thinking about, you know, I have a little bit of a nighttime routine and some things that I kind of rehearse in my mind. It's like I am statements. And then I say, well, hey, what went well today? And, you know, when did I go unconscious today? And so I always kind of go through this little repetition. And and it's an opportunity for me to reflect on the wins and some opportunities for improvement. And I'm generally reflecting and I'm generally kind of just going through that process. But last night I was thinking about today, our conversation this morning, and I'm like, man, I've known Jeremy Tomes for almost 20 years, and maybe I've had a relationship with you longer than any other podcast guest. So I'm just like, okay, I think we're going to take this relationship to a new level today, and I'm going to have the opportunity of introducing an amazing individual to Elevate Nation. But how does that make you feel, my friend? I can't agree more. It's kind of wild. So we, like you said, we've known each other for so long.
0: And the fact that you've done what you've done, have been as successful as you've been, and then for our our stories, sort of like, you know, coincide once again for us to come back around. Cause I mean, we live in different places in the country, you know, we went to different schools and so like to come back around and to be in sort of full circle moment, man, I, uh, I'm pumped. I can't believe it. It's, it's a dream come true. And it's something that I've looked forward to for for months now. It's funny. We, we actually had this planned a while back. And as you know, I'm big on family and it just so happened the last time we planned to do this podcast, my wife went into labor. (laughs) And so we went from like, jumping on the pod that morning to like, oh, I was at the hospital and we were delivering our third kid. Apologies again for having to postpone, but for the best reasons, right? It's it's, a, it's an honor. It's a blessing, dude. I, I can't thank you enough.
1: No, and I, I appreciate that so much. And I've just appreciated just getting to know you at a deeper level now that we're, you know, adults and we're dads and we're, you know, fathers and husbands and all these kind of things, but also investors and dynamic individuals, you know, if we, if we say so ourselves here, but it's been really cool to kind of dive into that. But it's funny, you're like apologizing profusely about this <laughs> (laughs) like life event that you had. And I'm like, man, please go, go, go. I look forward to rescheduling. So it's just so exciting to be able to kind of share that time in your life with you and and learn about sort of that experience prior to getting started on this podcast today. But man, I want to introduce you to Elevate Nation. So tell the listeners a little bit about your upbringing, your backstory so that they can get more familiar with the man that I know.
0: Yeah, man, let's do it. So it's funny. Uh, So I'm from where you're from, right? So I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, born and raised. I was there for the first 18 years of my life. Really in my life, I've always been a you know, extraordinarily entrepreneurial person. That's just, I don't know, it, it's sort of one of those qualities you're born with in a way. It's one of those like, you know, your characteristics sort of built around finding opportunity and finding ways to, not so much exploit opportunity, but to really sort of take advantage of every opportunity you're given. I come from a, a middle-class family. We, we started out, I found out about these years later, we started out actually very poor. My, my mom was uh, 21 when she had me, 19 when she had my brother. And my dad was, you know, 21 and 23, uh, respectively. And so she told us, you know, it was rough early on, you know, and so I think some of the values I grew up with were based on just seeing how they how they live, how hard they work, um, you know, priorities they made, you know. And it wasn't even so much financial priorities, which is sort of where my life has turned in, in this later stage, but it was more so just like family. They put a, a major emphasis on family, and on loyalty and on friendships, and so that's how I was brought up. But uh, I had the entrepreneurial bug when I was when I was uh, young, and it's carried through my entire life. First business was uh, I always tell the story. My first business was when I was 11 years old. I was just hungry. I was like, all right, I want to create something. I want to have a business. You know, I, I idolized the idea of like the businessman, right? Like, and so I created a landscaping company, and it was uh, it was five dollars a cut. It failed miserably. But it was like, it was just, that's just how I was, man. I was always finding a new way to sort of find opportunity and ways to kind of keep myself busy. And so as I grew up, Louisville, Kentucky, went to high school, went off to college at the University of Kentucky, uh, majored in business. I was a uh, business finance major. And then from there, jumped to law school down at the University of Tennessee, which side note, college football playoff rankings just came out. I know I'm wearing a Kentucky pullover, but good Lord, man, when your law school is, uh, when we're number one in the country, you got to, you got to call it out. Goodness gracious, just putting up crazy numbers. But yes. Yeah, so I went to Tennessee for law school. So I I am now still uh, a practicing commercial real estate attorney at a law firm called Mayor Browns, the international law firm. We do, you know, major, major deals. And uh, that was a dream come true for me, you know? So when I, when I left law school, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, me and my wife. She actually lived in Philadelphia before that. And she moved down with me. We met up in Charlotte. And uh, well, I met her a long before that, but we, you know, got married, did the whole, we're married now, we have jobs, you know, Dual income, no kids, and just went crazy with that lifestyle for, you know, a couple of years and just really sort of enjoyed ourselves. But I found myself, you know, early on in my legal career, I was doing really sophisticated work at a large a large firm, uh, really sophisticated, you know, commercial real estate work. And I found myself just completely detached. I was sort of miserable in a way. I couldn't figure out what the issue was because in my head, I had done everything right. I had sort of done. The, I had created what I felt like was the American dream for me, or at least what I knew. You know, I had gone to school and I had gotten a great career and I had created this lifestyle with my wife and, you know, we were buying a nice home and we were doing all the stuff that is typically taught, right? That's sort of conditioned within us to focus on, on those sort of not material things, but those sort of like lockstep actions that you kind of go through life. And that's how you create the life you want. But I found myself just like really still missing that entrepreneurial side of things. And so I started to think about like, okay, If I wanted to truly embrace, you know, the life I'm living and like take full advantage, what do I need to do? And real estate has always been a sort of preeminent sector for me. Like it's always been something I've really focused on, obviously my legal career, but investing as well. And so I, I kind of reached back into my business school bag and I was like, let's really try this thing out, you know? So it's funny, I actually bought my first investment property in 2016. It was a I'll never forget it was a two bed, one bath bungalow in in Belmont, North Carolina. And it was a great deal. Fantastic deal on paper, you know, bought it for 106.5. I was going to put, you know, $11,000 into it. And then I found out what real estate investing was really like. And I was like, "Uh oh, okay. It was a funny first deal because it worked out super well. We actually just sold it a year ago for uh, $232,000. And we, we cash flowed on it the entire time. But the first year of it was that renovation for that, you know, rental was supposed to last three months. It took a year and everything that could go wrong did. And it was the best entry into real estate investing that I could have ever had because I think we've learned the most from our failures. And I don't consider them necessarily fail- failures, but you know, the lessons, right? That was an expensive lesson, but it was also something I needed because it showed me two things. One, it showed me underwriting, incredibly important, but also execution is even more important than that. And then the other thing it showed me is like I can basically sort of live through anything. Like nothing will necessarily break me. I can get better from it. Right. So from there. Instead of being like, all right, I'm not doing any more of that. Like, I don't want to, I don't want any part of that. I embrace the idea of like, I want to achieve financial freedom. I want to have the ability to choose the next step in my life. I want to be able to say like, hey, I I want to or don't want to work today. I want to or don't want to travel to, you know, X country. I, I want to or don't want to go to my, my son's practice or my son's game or anything like that. And so I sort of embraced that like limitless belief system, right? And I'm big, big on belief systems and went for it. I met a guy who ended up becoming my business partner, but he was a realtor in the city. And he was like, hey man, I'm looking at doing a flip. Would you want to do this with me? And I was like, why not? I have the capital. I'm just you know, sitting on the sidelines. And this is back in um, 2018 at this point. Uh, and so we teamed up, did a flip. It went super well, got featured in a local blog down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And a lot of times I say, you know, the rest is history because what it did is it actually created a business for us. It created uh, New Homes Capital Management, which is actually my private real estate investment firm. and we've grown that from, you know, that one flip to now, you know, we have over hundred units, rental properties, we have a development arm, we have an asset management arm as well as a project management arm. So we've grown a vast business, but at the same time, I've been able to do all that while creating this lifestyle where I am family focused. You know, we have three beautiful kids now. I have a loving wife. We have sort of what I feel was the American dream, but we also have it with the ability to say like, if we want to, we can stop right now and we're, we'll be fine. We're fortunate financially. And so we, we've been able to create sort of the nest egg that we can live off of. And now it's more so for me about generational wealth. And so I have my legal career, I have my, you no know, my W-2, I say income from being an attorney, um, at a large firm, prestigious firm. And at the same time, I have my real estate investment firm that is doing really well. And more important than all that, I have the family I always wanted and I have the sort of lifestyle I wanted. So I've been able to create that, but it, it all stems from learning lessons and sort of you know, becoming the person I was early on or creating sort of the person I needed to be along the way. So it's it's been a ride, man. But that, that's just a little bit about me. It, it, it's a fun story. There's a lot of intricacies in there. But that's kind of the high level.
1: It's a very fun story. And I'll tell you that one of the biggest challenges and you know this now as a podcast host is picking which direction I want to go because man, there's so much good stuff there. And one of the things I look back on early on is you recognizing that you had that entrepreneurial sort of spirit within you. And I think that's really interesting. I do want to learn more about maybe where that kind of came from, but I also want to learn more about that failure because similar to you, I actually got started as an investor in 2016 and had a pretty substantial failure that later became a success. But in 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 that time, it did not feel like, you know, one of the greatest things that could have ever happened to me, but it was similar to what it sounds like it was for you. I want to learn more about that failure and I want to learn more about that limitless belief system, man. So there's, there's a few things there. So let's start with the entrepreneurial spirit, man. Where did that come from? Because obviously growing up, you know, with your family being very poor, Kind of in the beginning, and then growing up middle class. You know, I think you and you and I have a fairly similar background from that perspective. But where did the entrepreneurial spirit come from? I mean, do, do you have any idea? I do. Uh, I would say uh, my mom
0: in particular. She she is amazing. She she is one of the biggest proponents for me as far as my success goes. And so she came from a, an incredibly entrepreneurial family, right? And so just speaking from a race perspective for a second, a lot of times opportunities for um, people in Black America really came from creating opportunities, right? You know, we weren't so much able to obtain them or or weren't given them, we had to sort of create them. And a lot of that became from came from, you know, creating small businesses. And so uh, I grew up with her sort of mentality, which was we have to create our opportunity and do whatever it takes to make it work. Because, you know, for her and for her parents, it was a matter of, I need to feed my family, right? I mean, that, that wasn't necessarily the, the point that I was coming at it from, but it was a, a point of, it was a need, right? And so I think seeing that, I don't necessarily think it was a conscious decision. It very much was something that was just sort of subconscious to me. I just felt fulfilled, I would say, when I would think about, even think about entrepreneurial endeavors. It wasn't even that I was actively doing anything right but I was really you know young or even like a teenager but thinking about ideas and thinking about businesses and business models and systems and processes like that like got me going. Like that that was like that fired me up. Um and so I think it came from first family. It came from you know seeing sort of modeling excellence if you will uh seeing what they were able to do with with their limited sort of resources and then you know having that sort of creative side where it was like, I just want to build stuff. I want to build businesses. I want to, I want to create, you know, wealth in a way that otherwise isn't achievable unless you're, you know, going out there and you're taking the risk, right? And calculated risk, educated risk, but a risk nonetheless. And, you know, sort of creating the model that can become something that changes the stars for not only you but your family. So I think it came from seeing it first and then just sort of thinking it through, you know, and and sort of acting through, you know, intention and then just sort of Thinking through like, how would I build it? Okay, let's do that then. Let's let's make that happen. And I'm all about action, man. Like, and I'm you are as well. Like I'm all about action. So when something, when I tell somebody like, hey, I'm doing X, you better believe I'm doing X. And that's part of being entrepreneurial. It's just like, it's not a matter of thinking about it.
1: Like, let's do this. Let's plan it and let's do it. It's so interesting because when you wrapped up sort of the the high level of your backstory, you ended it with, hey, it's not now, it's not about making money. It's about creating generational wealth. And that it almost seems like that generational wealth began as from a disadvantage that you turned into an advantage or your mom, you know, turned from a disadvantage to an advantage, which then has manifested into continuous action. It's, it's, it's manifested into this drive that's limitless and this belief that anything is possible. I mean, do you agree with that? Yep. Entirely, man. Because I think opportunities
0: created. Obviously, some people have more opportunity than others. That's just you know, sort of the the system. That's how things work. But I, I'm big on like nothing really can stop you from from doing anything except yourself at the end of the day. And so I think that's right. I think just having that sort of belief system where you're you're focused on not so much what's holding you back, but what can be achieved. And then it's just figuring out how do we do that. When you approach things from that perspective, instead of the like limited perspective where you're like, oh well, you know, this is probably how much I can do, or like, you know, where's the cap? And you approach it more like, think of the wildest thing you want to do, and then figure out how you get there. And it might take time, and it might require patience, a ton of patience. You know, I'm, I still haven't gotten close to where I want to you know end up, but that sort of puzzle that work,
1: that's that's what's important to me. So I think that's totally right. It's so good. And and that just reminds me of, again, it's where focus goes, energy flows, because we all have problems. We all have certain disadvantages in our life. And so are we focusing on the problem? Are we focusing on the disadvantage? Are we focusing on the solution? Are we focusing on the forward momentum and the action and the, the resourcefulness that's required to get to wherever you want to go? And I'm I'm a firm believer as well that there anything is possible. But first, we have to believe in that possibility and we have to focus. On that possibility. We have to look for the resources to get to where we want to go because it doesn't just happen, but what happens along the way is who we become is almost the most valuable piece of that entire thing. So, thinking back to your story, I mean, obviously, kind of taking the path that you took, I mean, going to college, then going to law school, working in a sophisticated commercial real estate big law firm learning from that, but then also becoming a little detached, you know, uh, maybe from just sort of that identity that you had recognized within yourself early on and being that entrepreneurial type of individual. I think it's really interesting that you were able to say, "Okay, well, now let me focus on positive momentum and now let me push this in a forward direction. I also think it's really cool that your experience as a commercial real estate Attorney then allowed you to sort of utilize that that experience to push forward as an investor. So talk to me about that first investment and uh, what all went wrong, man. You said that it took much longer than you expected. Obviously, the underwriting was maybe a little bit off, but what were some other sort of components of that mistake or or you know brief failure there? That yeah, meant it all went wrong.
0: <laughs> it was the only thing that went right. Honestly, was the market. It's so. And you're right. So uh, when when I uh, first started as an attorney, what was what was great for me was. I was working with sophisticated clients, both on the borrower and the lender side, both on the developer and then like, you know, the bank side. So I had the ability to to see the underwriting for the you know the largest deals in the world. I'm talking like 200
1: mil plus like, you know, office buildings in Miami and just crazy stuff. Real quick, were you representing lenders or are you representing borrowers or, or tell me, tell tell the listeners who you were representing? Yeah, so both. Yeah, so I was. Uh, so when I first started, I actually first
0: started in the CNBS space. So um, commercial mortgage backed security space, which I recognized very early on, like this is going out of favor pretty quickly. And so I was like, immediately like, okay, I need to pivot to a a more, you know, um, suitable long-term solution for my my legal career. And so, yes, I started out immediately just representing lenders. I'm talking like the bigger shops. So, you know, think your your big banks, you know, um, institutional level banks, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, those sort of shops. And when you're doing that, you're seeing, you know, highly sophisticated borrowers, right? Developers, people who are doing things that are going out and bringing on, you know, CMBS debt at that point. And so then as I made the pivot, I started representing both because I had the experience of, I could tell, you know, a client, oh yeah, I've worked with the banks. I can tell you what they're going to be looking for, right? I can, I can help you tailor your, your sort of project, your, your your sort of, um, your breakdown of your project, you know, the, the underwriting, all that stuff. I can show you like, hey, this is what they're going to be looking for when you go to on the legal side of it. And so that's, Early before the pivot happened, so I represented both, which is incredibly helpful. How it ties into the first deal I actually started was um when I got that deal, I've only, I had only seen the highly sophisticated deals, and anybody can tell you who's an investor. Like when you go from big to small, there are major differences as far as like not only just genuine underwriting in larger numbers, but like the nuance of you know managing a single family home and a single family property versus like a massive apartment complex where you have on-site management. You're you're building in those costs, right? So that was one piece. It was necessary for me to do that because it allowed me to learn both sides of it or the full scale of of what real estate investing could be. To dive into the deal, man, it's like I said, I bought it for 106.5. It was a two-bed, one-bath bungalow and it was in good shape. Looking back, I should have just purchased it. it. It was a great deal at the time too, because when I bought it, I think the market value was like 134000 So I bought it under value. And so the reason I was able to do that is the person who lived there was a hoarder. And so I got it for a great price. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to fix this place up a little bit. And then it's going to, you know, turn out, you know, $1,200 a month in rent. You know, my cash flow is going to be X. And when I got into it, the first mistake I made is I had no contractor relationships. And so all I had was, you know, it. you know how this goes. You know the story goes. And so. All I knew was, OK, go out, talk to some people, bring in somebody, tell them what you want to do, and they'll do it. That's not how this works. And so I, uh, I went out, I found a contractor who I thought was, you know, a good, good, you no know, hardworking person, you know, with good moral values. And so they came on site. I gave him my scope of work, which, looking back, was not detailed enough. That was that was a critical step that I just didn't realize at the time. Is like when I do a scope of work now, it is incredibly detailed. I mean, our pre-construction sort of diligence is substantial. And again, that's that's a learned skill, and that's something that you had to sort of experience through this. But yeah, I gave him this like broad scope of work, and he, to his credit, was going through the project, and he was like consistently asking me questions like, "What do you want to do with this?" Like, "Well, did you think about this?" And and so, but. With all that, I also didn't have the operational wherewithal to make, make sure that he was doing the work he was telling me he was even doing. And then further, I didn't know to like also have somebody who knows what they're doing inspect the work he's doing throughout the process. And so, long story short, man, like we got like four months into the deal and I stopped by the property and I was like, dude, what? Why is there basically nothing done? Like this place has been gutted. You did demo week one. And it still just looks like it's been demoed. There's nothing happening. He was like, "Oh, don't worry about it. You know, we ran into this why you know X, Y, and Z. Not a big deal. We're you know we'll be done two months. Two months goes by. He's like, "Hey, I need another draw." I'm like, "Okay, uh, let me see what's going on." And it looked exactly the same, mind you. We're six months into the deal. I'm like, "My man, what is happening?" And then I'm panicking. My alarm bells are finally going off. And again, like this is first deal. This is like money's at stake. But I don't truly understand just how bad this is because we bought that with cash and so like if had i had a loan on it i think maybe i would have had more i think i definitely would have felt more alarmed by this behavior earlier on but didn't have that and so six months had gone by not much had been happening at that point you know they have done uh, some rough plumbing on on a bathroom that we had sort of moved around a little bit but that was it and i was like oh man like i'm in trouble and finally i just confronted the guy I was like hey what's happening like you know, I got busy on other stuff. Like I just haven't been able to get back to it. I'm just too slammed. I'm like, that's not at all my problem. What, what are we going to do about it? And it was only then that I forced him to come up with a plan and I consistently showed up to the site and I was like, Hey, what's happening here? What's happening here? I wouldn't pay out any other draws until he met up with where we needed to be, which I was lucky he was even willing to do. Easily could have walked away and said like, Oh, I'll just take the money. And I couldn't have held him to anything really. I mean, I, you know, obviously I could have gone through legal recourse, but Blood from a turnip, you're not going to get much. So I just decided like, I need to sort of placate this guy to get him to do the work that I've already paid him for. And so we ended up being a year into it, man. And like what was supposed to be $11,000, you know, a light renovation ended up being 34 grand. And that's money out of my pocket. You know, that's money that is otherwise supporting my family. You know, at that point, it was just me and my wife, but still it's the point remains. It was terrifying. I remember the feeling of like going home and I felt like I had genuine ulcers because I was just so nervous and so afraid of what this could do to us financially and it just gave me this like it gave me two things it gave me a real sense of perspective as far as like how quickly things can go down hill when it comes to finances that was one thing because we were doing well me and my wife make good money but at the same time like anything can happen if i would have lost my job we would have been really in a really tough spot so that was one thing and that's where sort of the idea of like hey i need to shore this thing up from a financial perspective. That's one. The other one was clarity. It was like, okay, that was horrible. And I'm still here. The earth is still spinning and we're okay. Let's figure it out from here. Now let's figure out. Cause I could easily could have been like, okay, that was terrible. I'm never doing that again. I'm just going to work. But and that's just never been the person I've been. I'm, I'm always about like self-improvement. I was an athlete, you know, high school, college. And so like, it was always like, yeah, there's people who do this better. There are, there are ways to get better let's just keep competing, let's just keep going, let's get better. And so we didn't stop. But that was a horrifying experience that taught me, I think that taught me more than most of the deals we've done since have, right? And like most of the book learning that I've done, I think that taught me more than than most of that because it It's real world experience, and it's it's the downside experience which sometimes can be the most effective.
1: Man, I know that feeling too, where you're like, man, this feels like it's getting out of hand fast, and you feel like you're on a really slippery slope, and it's it's extremely stressful. And a lot of people who go through that experience will say, real estate investing is not for me. You know, tenants, termites, toilets, contractors, negative cash flow. I just don't have time for that. You know, I'm not interested in that. And it's like, wait a minute, I thought I was interested in passive cash flow. I thought I was interested in, you know, financial freedom, but I'm not committed to that and I'm not willing to go through that. You know, so that's one side of the fence. I mean, a lot of people say that. It's like, yeah, I I did that once and (laughs) that doesn't work for me. And I'm not a real estate investor because of that. And it's interesting because there's two sides of the fence. You can either say I'm the victim of this circumstance. It didn't work for me. I'm no longer going to do that. Or let me take the learning and the gift from the circumstance and push forward. But with that mindset of keep competing and this also this mindset of embracing this limitless belief system to say, all right, well, I can succeed here. I mean, first of all, how did you, was it, was it that background and being an athlete that you think you were leveraging into this and sort of gamifying this or where did that come from? I think that's right. I was an athlete. I still consider myself
0: to be an athlete at the most basic level, but um, I've always envied athletes especially at the at the highest level at the most elite level i just recently interviewed on my podcast um the big law capitalist podcast um his uh his name is joe kovacs he's a world champion shot putter and i love interviewing elite athletes because their mindsets are a lot of times it's just not so much god-given but they've sort of gone through the trenches enough to where they've built this sort of like fortified mindset to where they can seemingly in their minds, achieve whatever they need to achieve to reach their goals. And so when they talk about how they go about their everyday, the discipline that goes into like each day, it's something to model. It's like, I'm big on modeling excellence and like being an athlete in general, like it requires the day in day out grind. It sort of teaches you and instills in you the discipline to say like, Hey, I need to get up and get after it because if I'm not somebody else is, and I'm not improving myself and I'm getting further behind as far as the eight ball goes. And so I think that's a that was a big part of it. It's just first off, modeling excellence, but then also knowing that like if you're not working on you, nobody else is either. Right. So I mean, people aren't gonna invest in you and invest in what you're about if you're not first pouring into yourself. So I think that that was a big piece of it. Um again, like I said, I think a lot of it too was just like seeing how hard my family worked, my my parents, and just sort of modeling that as well. You know, I'm big on get up early, you know, put in work early. And then you're not know, work late too. But like, I think it's important to sort of get up early, get out ahead of things and just like, really prepare so I'm big on preparation. But yeah, I think that's the athlete piece of it was a big part. I'll say now I mean, like, you know, going back to that deal, that taught me a lot. And it sort of framed how I approach our business now. So like new homes, for example, you know, we're vertically integrated. So we have the ability to not only, you know, acquire a property, but also do the project management, right? So we're turning that property over, and we're like, we're handling each step of it. And how that project management looks how we're executing on our business plan, you better believe that's born out of how I had to sort of learn from that first experience. It's funny how those little those that's a that was a tiny house that we did, right? Like, you know, we, we handle millions now in money and like a tiny house sort of dictates how I approach everything now, and at a much larger scale. And so it's funny how those experiences can can frame that. But, you know, our project management team, and I said our scope of work is incredibly detailed, like down to like the tiniest details. I'm talking about like what door handles are we using for, you know, different units, right? You know, um, how are we getting to that price point that we need to be in order to get the NOI that's going to make this deal make, make sense long term? Like we get really we drill down really deep on the details because that's the part that matters and that's a discipline thing.
1: Hey guys, I wanna remind you to check out CF Capital. CF Capital is the premier boutique real estate investment firm in the Midwest and Southeast region of the United States. We are a national real estate investment firm with a purpose. We provide property investment and asset management solutions to help passive investors maximize returns on high value multifamily communities. But our investments go far beyond acquisitions. We invest in people. We are in the business of elevating communities and raising the bar for everyone within our ecosystem. CF Capital is a real estate investment firm focused on the acquisition and operation of multifamily assets. We confidently deliver tax advantage, stable cash flow, and capital appreciation with a margin of safety. By investing alongside our team, investors can preserve and grow their wealth without having to deal with tenants, termites, or toilets. Investors come and stay for the outsized returns we create in our deals while appreciating the ancillary opportunity to make a bigger impact that only CF Capital can provide. If you're an investor and want to invest with us, here's how. Learn more about CF Capital at cfcapllc.com or by simply clicking the link in the show notes of this episode. We will see you on the inside of this powerful community. So let's elevate communities together. Yeah, I want to get back to the investing in yourself, but I do want to focus on also kind of the strategy today. I mean, obviously going from that first house and that painful experience which then you, you the market saved you and and I can honestly resonate with that as well. And so we're thankful for that, we have gratitude for that. But as you continue to grow, you took back some of the controllables and said, "Look, how can I improve my decision-making?" Obviously the opportunity in 2018 for the flip and then to where you are now today. So talk a little bit about your strategy now and what you guys are focused on.
0: Yeah, so what I did was I took that one opportunity and you know sort of turned it into um, discipline focus we have you know on a go forward basis or at least I had. And So when I partnered up with my business partner, originally our plan was to just let's create a small business where we can essentially create a nest egg for our families, right? You know, it was just we were going to flip homes. And so I mentioned before we flipped that you know that one house at the very beginning of our of our uh, business, and that got us a lot of attention. And this is uh, down in Charlotte, North Carolina. And so from there we flipped that house literally and got enough attention to where we raised a couple million. Dollars within the next, you know, two months after that, and so it gave us the runway to sort of really focus on building out a model that was sustainable. And so it wasn't in my head. I was like, I don't really want to just be a flipper. It Really wasn't where my head was. I wanted to build long-term wealth. Um, you know, I was focused on income growth, equity growth. And so we've pivoted from that you know, early stage. So now we, we actually run a, an asset management company, um, New Homes Capital Management, but that we acquire uh, single-family scatter-site rentals, and so buying them turning them over and then, you know, leasing them out. And we do it at scale, right? So we do portfolios. And so the actual overall business plan for us is really focused on how can we create value for other people? That's really what it drills down to. And so the way we do that is we partner with people who are like-minded, who are looking to grow their wealth, who are looking to sort of step out of their comfort zone and and really take advantage of what, you know, the benefits that real estate can provide. And we do that by, you know, acquiring high quality assets, uh, rental assets. And then on top of that, we also develop uh, some of our assets as well. So we do quite a bit of uh, new home. I'm um, sorry, new construction um, development for single family and also multifamily. And then we also do a good bit of um, short-term rental development as well. And so what I mean by that is, you know, we'll buy a you know a house that's really not being utilized the way it should be. For instance, we just went under contract on a on a 5,000 square foot single family house, you know, close to downtown Pittsburgh, but it's zoned multifamily, and so we have the ability to go in and create several different units that we can then use for short-term rentals. And so we can do those sorts of projects. We have a development arm. That allows us to do that, but we do that not so much because obviously it's gonna make really good money, but we do that because there are other people who aren't exposed to real estate or who, who are, but only slightly, who really wanna get involved. We're sort of the conduit for that. So. I'm big on a service mentality. And so I really just focus on how can we help grow the wealth of others while also doing the same for ourselves. And so we do that through, you know, investment, real estate, rentals, uh, short-term rentals and, and uh, new, new construction development as well.
1: Man, you're amazing in terms of your just ability to execute and to have a vision, learn, evolve, grow, but also continue to add value to other people. But man, I think about, you know, having the ability to balance what you do in terms of being a big law attorney and an investor and a leader raising capital, you know, doing very, very sophisticated things from an investor perspective, being a father. I mean, how do you balance it all? It's a fantastic question. Thank you for asking that.
0: Oh, uh, first of man, you are, you are a champion, dude. I, I have to give you credit quickly. You've grown just something incredibly substantial. I can't tell you how, and it sounds crazy to say, I can't tell you how proud I am as somebody watching you like grow, man. Like you, you've opened my eyes substantially. I remember when we met up for breakfast, I mean, this is years ago. I don't know if you knew it then. And I'll get, I'll, I will answer your question, don't worry. But I, I just want to tell you, I don't know if you knew it then, you changed my life that day. I remember the energy you had. And I've always, like I said, I've had that entrepreneurial spirit, but I cannot say that I had the energy you had, man. And I was like, talk about modeling excellence. I was like, no, I refuse to not take advantage of this opportunity. I refuse to not go for it, to give it everything I have 100% and leave everything on the field because I could see it in your eyes, man. You You know, when you sit down, I'm sure people tell you this, when you sit down with Tyler Chester, like, it shifts your energy in the most positive way imaginable. So I, I give credit to you, man. All the credit to you. I, I do appreciate the kind words, but just know it's not only reciprocated. I, I truly appreciate the person you've become and the person you're growing into as well, because it's, it's, it's incredible.
1: Man, I appreciate uh, that.
0: Answer, yeah, absolutely, man. And but to answer your question, so. How do I balance it all? That's a fantastic question. And it's actually the reason I created my podcast, uh, the Big Law Capitalist Podcast. When you're doing something like this, because I don't want to not be an attorney. I love that piece. Like I actually love the feeling of like having a skill set that is rare. There aren't that many people out there who can do what I do from a legal perspective. right? I mean, obviously other attorneys, but that's important to me. I can affect change in a major way through my legal career. So I'm not giving that up. And so early on, I was like, I have to find a way to create the most efficient system possible to create the lifestyle I want while also being able to do have my legal career. And so I've approached it from that way, man, like some people call it lifestyle hacking. What I do is I essentially focus on how do I make each of my activities hyper efficient, my time has to be hyper efficient as an attorney, like my time is literally how I make my living as an attorney. And so I have to make sure that that's hyper efficient. And so early on, I focused on putting systems in place that could essentially replace me in certain activities, right? So virtual assistants, early on in my legal career, not a lot of attorneys think like, oh, I should hire a virtual assistant to handle X, Y, and Z. But I was like, oh, utility bills? How many properties? Oh, virtual assistant. You know, like it was, so I create different backstops. The big piece of it is is my team. Uh, when I say my team, I mean that in a holistic sense. So like you said, I'm a father, I'm an attorney, I'm a business owner. And those things are tough to sort of marry. Any one of those things can be all encompassing. But when you're doing all three, you have to really be diligent about it. And so I work backwards a bit. As a father, I'm fully invested. And so anybody can tell you, like, I'm always with my kids. Like I'm I'm consistently involved with them. And like, it's hard to sort of comprehend given like all the different things I have going on. But I made sure early on, I thought, all right, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., Monday through Friday, that's just for the kids. It has to be, and so my clients know that, my colleagues know that, the people who work for my investment company know that. Five to seven p.m., you can't reach Jeremy. Like I'm just, I'm locked in entirely on my family, and then working backwards in the morning, I get them up every morning, and I gotta take them to school. And so, I mean, literally, this isn't every morning, and I'm not perfect, right? Sometimes I'm out of town on, you know, going to see a property, or I'm doing a number of things, but. Every chance I can get, I make sure I'm getting them dressed, I'm taking them to school. So that's, if you can set those two pillars, then you fill in the rest, right? So the business piece—it's about delegating and it's about really trying to find the right people who can who can get the job done without me babysitting. And that's trial and error, right? That took a few years to kind of figure out, like who can I put in place who's going to take those those responsibilities and actually execute. Um, because that's a big piece. I'm big on service, and so like if you're not executing on behalf of our investors, on behalf of our stakeholders, I don't have the time to necessarily keep you in the fold because that's detrimental to them and also to our business. And so. Finding the right people from that perspective was important. And then from a legal perspective, it's essentially like focused on set periods of time where I'm diving in on a client's work, right? Because if I'm on somebody's file, I'm not going to give them 50% of me. Like they're getting 100%. And so it's sort of filling in the gaps of like, okay, 12 every day, I'm going to touch base with my team. We're going to have a video call. I'm going to see where are we at on X, Y, and Z activities. You know, at 3 p.m., I have an investor call. So I'll jump on a call with an investor. And in between those points, I'm really focused on like doing this legal Work and doing it well, you know. I'm not saying again. I'm not perfect, man. Like anybody can tell you, I grind and I don't mind doing it. I go super hard. So sometimes I'll work from you know 9 a.m. all the way until midnight. Obviously buffering those two hours for my my family, but or I've done times where I've done you know 9 a.m. to four in the morning, get back up at five and do it all over again. So I've had like the rough side of it. I've been extremely busy as an attorney, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think that means you're doing something right because people want to keep paying you to bill hours, but. I really, I try to be ultra intentional with, with how I use my time and and where I'm spending my time, right? So like it, it sort of forced you to remove, you know, unproductive activities. I still have hobbies. As you know, I'm wearing the UK shirts. I'm locked in on sports too. So I still have hobbies. But, you know, again, doing it in a way that's that's hyper efficient, doing it in a way that's going to be beneficial, not only for myself, but also for my family. Um, I think if you have a good basis to where priorities lie, uh, you can fill in everything else and, and still make it make sense, still live like a fulfilling life.
1: Jeremy, this is incredibly valuable stuff, man. Thank you so much for this. And and before we dive into the rapid fire section of the podcast, I I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about investing in yourself, because in the midst of all of what you just described, I mean, you're still investing yourself. You're still modeling excellence. You're still putting a priority on yourself, not in a selfish capacity or maybe a selfishly selfless capacity so that you can be a better father, so that you can be a better partner, so that you can be a better husband, a better leader, a better attorney. I mean, talk to me about what does that actually look like? like maybe from a day-to-day basis or, or or just from a high level? Yeah, man. It, honestly, again, it's about priorities,
0: but a side story here. So early on in my career, I had never truly felt the stress of like being a big law attorney. There, there's a level of stress that can come with that job that if you're not careful, I kid you not, it can literally kill you. It can really create a lifestyle that's completely unhealthy. And I was running down that rabbit hole fast. And it sort of hit me when I went to the doctor one time and I was having my annual physical and they were like, whoa, like your blood pressure is incredibly high. What's going on? I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like what, what like? I work out like, and so I have a big focus on health because I have to be around, you know, for uh, the people who count on me. And so that's one piece of it. Like, even if I'm getting up early, I'm still hitting the gym. You know, I'm still drinking a ton of water. I'm still trying, trying to eat the right things. It's hard when, you know, you move it quick so sometimes you know it's it's not always the healthiest option but like I really focus on health first and foremost so that's one piece I think that's probably the most important piece of self improvement is like consistently keeping yourself in a in a position where you can actively learn and actively grow and the only way to do that is to make sure that you're healthy so that's piece one the second is like I read a lot right like and that's as an attorney that's obvious but even outside of like the legal side of it, I read just a lot of like self-improvement books. I'm big on Tony Robbins. I'm big on some of the, you know, some of the not gurus, but the, the bigger names and, and self-improvement. And, you know, a lot of times the focus is on being efficient with your time in a way that's going to make you happy. So I sort of look at like, OK, this is the lifestyle I want to create and then do everything I can to match that. You know, match up with that. So it's a focus on on health, and it's a focus on learning. I think if we ever stop learning, that I don't know what you do. That you know, because this entire ride is about learning. I learn stuff every day about real estate that I otherwise didn't know before. I never want that to stop. So it's a learning experience. And then, yeah, I think honestly, it's just focused on keeping these other people healthy and happy. You know, so and you're right, it does have to be somewhat selfish because at the beginning of it, if I'm not healthy, I'm not executing for my family, my kids my team, you know, my clients. And so it's critical to sort of like make sure that you're healthy. Again, to quickly touch on it, like big law lifestyles, they can be detrimental if you allow them to be, but it's by choice. And I say that not not flippantly, like it's by choice in the sense that like, if you choose to approach it in a way that is healthy, then it will be. And if you choose to approach it in a way that isn't, then it won't be. And it's that simple, but sometimes it can feel more complex than that.
1: Man, that's so good. And I, I just think it, the foundation of all this is the growth mindset and the growth orientation to say, you know what, instead of choosing overwhelmed, because anybody could look at your circumstances and say, man, I am overwhelmed constantly and just break down and just like, you know, go and hide and go into the covers and just like, I can't do it. I'm, I'm done. I'm out. I just give up. Let me ask you real quick. Have you ever been in
0: a position where you felt completely overwhelmed, like almost like panic attack level overwhelmed? Yes, absolutely. Man, I don't know about you, like, I remember the first panic attack I had as an attorney, and I had never had one in that sense where I, I literally, my, my chest tightened up, I couldn't breathe, and it was just a strange feeling of like, I'm not now controlling what's happening to me anymore. And so it's a terrible feeling, and I think, you know, again, it's very easy to happen if you're not focused on getting out ahead of that, if you're not focused on living a lifestyle that's gonna allow you to not deal with that, you know? And so I'm not saying perfect, but I mean, I, you know what I mean as far as like that sort of overwhelming feeling. If you allow that to take control of you, it can be devastating.
1: No doubt, man. When you step into more, I guess, more complex responsibilities and bigger responsibilities from a dollar's perspective, you know, and so on and so forth, you can go on either either side of that fence and it can be a double-edged sword. But the choice is to use the sword to your advantage and leverage this opportunity and grow through that, right? Because, you know, if you want to create big things in your life, you're going to go through challenging adversity. You're going to go through challenging personal growth opportunities. That's, that's what you have to look at it as. It's a it's an opportunity rather than a detriment so i mean i think ultimately it all comes down to mindset it all comes down to your belief it all comes down to your perspective so man there is so many things here that you've talked about today that are actionable that are applicable and i think the listeners can read between the lines as well to say well how does this apply to my own life my own goals where am i going and how can i design you know my my excellence how can i design my daily grind how can i prepare how can I hack my system? How can I remove things that are unproductive from my life? How can I be more hyper-efficient, man? There's just so much here. So I just appreciate this so much. And and Jeremy, I want to transition into the rapid fire section of the podcast before we wrap today. Obviously, it's a rare air questionnaire. It's all about being uncommon. I mean, what we talked about today, this is not common stuff, but what you are designing and what you have designed is an uncommon lifestyle and ultimately something that people, you know, can only dream about in many, many capacities, but ultimately you've proven that anything is possible. So Let's talk about a few things you talked about reading if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years what would those be and why okay so uh number one i know you're gonna
0: ask this question and like this is a book that i always tell people it, it was life-changing for me the four-hour work week and man it is just it's the best like because it teaches you so many hacks As a, you know, as a typical, you know, American going through sort of W2 life, you don't even think about, but like it taught me when I speak about like hyper efficiency, that was the first step that taught me how to sort of become hyper efficient in a number of ways, you know, remove sort of the, you know, extra work that can come with, you know, certain activities, right? Especially when I think about email and things like that, like there are ways to hack that to free up your time. And so that would be top of my list. Number one. So another book, and this is going to seem odd, I honestly cannot remember the title for life, but it's, it's a, it's Kevin Hart's first book. It's something goofy. I can't remember the title. If you just Google Kevin Hart's first book. Um, When I read that, it's hilarious. It is. And that sounds like an odd book to say, but it's honestly a business book because his mindset, if anybody who, who follows him outside of like, just obviously the comedy piece, that dude works insanely hard. He's supremely talented. But he works just as hard as, as as his talent will allow him to to work, you know. So like he he does extraordinary things. He's created this massive empire. But he talks about the early stages, and I mean, it's hokey to say, but one of the biggest parts of his life is perseverance. He has persevered through so many different you know obstacles. The biggest being like. Start, you know, launching a comedy career like it's incredibly difficult. I, I'm one of those random people. I enjoy like the sort of the dry humor, like the the you know, the comics behind the scenes, you know, like. And so their outlook on life is hilarious to me in a lot of ways. But he embraced it and he just went with it. And he grinded his way through it, and obviously nobody's perfect. Yeah, he's done some things that he's been whatever. But the book itself, I think, is it was instrumental for me to know like, hey, if you thought you were working hard, you're not go harder. You can do better. So I would say those would be the two books I would kind of throw out. There's a ton of books I could like toss in there. Like the uh, one of them's like the e-myth. I'm an entrepreneur. So that one struck a chord with me, obviously. I've read that several times, but I think the first two I mentioned were instrumental as far as mindset goes for me. And I know the second one's weird, but it's, it's a good one.
1: I love that. No, we'll have to check out, I'm thinking E-Myth now. Uh, we'll have to check out Kevin Hart's book and we'll get our team to put a link in the show notes as to uh, that book in particular. But I love memoirs uh, specifically for that reason because we learn through other people's experience and other people's story. That's one of the reasons why I love podcasts. And I think so many people love listening to podcasts and understanding story because it gives us more context in terms of where we are in our own journey. And it gives us maybe some, some references is to say, you know what? Perseverance is a valuable trait that can allow me to go where I want to go. And just because it feels like I'm in the middle of a failure right now doesn't mean that I can't get through this and doesn't mean that there isn't tremendous value in that experience. So thank you for that, man. Tell me about the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis. If you had to point to one. I think everyone should have a conscious conversation with themselves once
0: a day. I I try to do it before the end of the day. You mentioned earlier about reflecting, you know, at the end of each day. Uh, Some people consider them to be like daily affirmations. What I do is I sort of like, it sounds crazy. I sort of talk to myself and figure out like, okay, what did we do today to get better? And that is this is actively something that I do focused on. It, it allows you to reach back and sort of see like, okay, did I really improve myself today? Did I make at least one incremental step in the right direction? There's any number of things within our business that I'm consistently you know, sort of tweaking uh, from a process perspective. And I am a passive investor. I'm an active investor in a lot of ways, but also like passive investor in several like businesses, you know, other income streams. And some of those I've created myself and like literally set up entire systems that sort of run those businesses. And so a lot of times I'm thinking back on like, okay, how did I improve myself? And or like, you know, one of my businesses, I think that's incredibly important, you know, because in those conversations with yourself, I think you can really find sort of the nuance that can sort of provide you additional improvement, even if it's incremental, even if it's, a you know, super small step, something happened every day that you can learn from it can be the smallest thing right like how you reacted to a certain situation how you talked to somebody how you how you went about you know doing a certain activity If you really think about it, you can learn something and improve from something
1: every single day. So I try to have at least one conscious conversation with myself. Man, I love that. And I love the power of those type of questions because, you know, it's like if you don't ask yourself the question, you're never going to get the answer. And having a conscious conversation with yourself, man, is cool because we're always having a subconscious conversation with ourselves. So let's bring that to the conscious. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? So I preach a limitless belief system, man. Like so with my podcast,
0: you know, people will now reach out to me. Know a lot of times big law attorneys will reach out to me and they'll sort of ask questions and and I remember recently this is a good example um, I had somebody reach out to me and they were like you know I'm on the fence about this property and I don't know if it's you know gonna be something that makes sense it was a multifamily deal you know a house hack where they were gonna live in a unit and rent out the others and I was like I could speak to you about the numbers you know but you can also do that research yourself and I was like and I'm happy to speak to you about that here's what I'll say though if you don't do it make sure it's for the right reason like don't let it be because you were just afraid of what might happen if you did, right? Like that's a bad reason to not take action. And so I get being uncomfortable and I, I understand, like believe me when somebody says like, I understand discomfort, it doesn't feel good. That's, that's the point. But like, I was like, you have to push through that because you can make a thousand excuses as to why you shouldn't do something. But if it makes sense and you know it does, or even if you feel like it does, do it. Not everything has to be a home run. And so I try to preach like a limitless belief system because people limit themselves so often, you know, before anybody else steps in and says a word, they're already saying like, I can't do this because sometimes, like you said, it's not even a conscious question. It's a, you know, it's a subconscious conversation they have with themselves where they automatically limited what they were capable of doing. So I try to tell people on a regular basis, like, you don't know how special you are. Like, use that. Embrace it. Understand that there aren't many people. And really there's no one like you, right? There's no one who specifically has your skill set, has your characteristics. So like trust that, embrace it and go for it. Because life's crazy short. And I know that's a cliche, but it is crazy short. And you know, if you're not taking advantage at every step, that's a disappointment. That's a shame. And you, you know, you should really you should embrace it. So I always tell people like, I preach
1: like limitless belief system, man. Like, go for it. Man. I feel like you are, you're giving so many gifts to the audience today. And I just, I feel like today's conversation is absolutely life-changing and you've provided uh, an opportunity for folks to really see what's possible on the other side of fear, on the other side of doubt, on the other side of, you know, limiting ourselves, because, you know, that's a constant course correction as well. It's not, not just because you are sharing this limitless belief system that you embody and that you choose to embody every single day. Doesn't mean that you don't have doubts yourself. Doesn't mean that sometimes you feel like you have limiting beliefs, right? It doesn't mean that you are 100%, you know, free of these things. But I think that, you know, you sharing that is such a phenomenal message to the audience. And I just want to thank you so much. I want to acknowledge you too, man, because you're giving me a big shout out in the middle of this episode. And I'm like, all right, I'll slip you the 20. But also I'm like, my goodness. I mean, talk about a transformative individual, somebody who's come from, you know, not much to so, so much and continuing to give that to other people. I mean, that is unbelievable. And it's such an inspiring thing. And like, I can't wait to see where you take this. And uh, obviously, you launched a podcast recently, you're continuing to give to so many people talk a little bit about the podcast where folks can find that and so forth. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thank you for allowing me to plug that. And then when I finish, I just want to quickly drop one more
0: nugget. So the podcast is uh, the Big Law Capitalist podcast. On there, we bring on any number of guests, right? It's it's I call it a, a real estate show. It's really a mindset show, but we talk to people who are high achieving um in any number of fields. And we I like to really kind of dive into we've had you on the show before, man. Thank you, by the way. We try to really kind of dive into their mindset and understand like what makes them tick and and I'm big on modeling excellence. So that's really what the show is about. Uh I also have on there certain, you know, life hacks that we can, you know, sort of give to my audience, but you know, attorneys, big law attorneys, people and really my audience. Is broader than that but I really try to focus on like people who are like me who are living my situation who who may not know there's a, an alternative right there's another avenue so yeah feel free to check out the Big Law Capital's podcast wherever you listen to podcasts uh you can also go to the to uh, com. you can find me on LinkedIn Jeremy Toms and then also on uh Instagram at Big Law Capitalist. Uh, but yeah, we always post, you know, little nuggets from the show and quotes and, and things that I just find really cool. And when people sort of drop knowledge on there, I like to share it with everybody. So uh, feel free to check that out. Also, feel free to check out our company's website, New Homes Capital Management. So you can go to uh, newhomesclt.com and that's where you'll find, you know, New Homes Capital Management, all the stuff we have going on there as well. But if I can, just real quick, man, be vulnerable. I would say that to your audience. I don't think it makes sense to not share. How you truly feel and what you're truly going through. It does nobody any good, including yourself. I'm big on like vulnerability. And that's, I try to be as open as I can be, right? Because I think it's critical when people tell the truth about what they're going through. Like, for instance, I have three kids. It is chaos in my household and it's tough, right? Like, and it, I, there's a lot going on. And there's times where like it feels like I'm trying to prioritize family. And then somehow or another, it comes across as if I'm not. And it's because there's so much stuff going on. Like to even say that, that requires vulnerability. But I think that's critical because there's somebody out there who's like, I can't do this because blank. And there's any number of reasons why, right? Like, you know, kids, my job, you know, other outside obligations, extra, extracurriculars, you can, you can, there, there's anything that can hold you back. But when they hear somebody else say like, hey, I have all that stuff going on too. And I have concerns and I have fear, but I choose to take action in spite of that. I think that's critical because the more we hear other people's stories, the more people are vulnerable. I think that's how we affect massive change. So I just want to drop that last little piece, man.
1: Thank you so much. And and it is it is a great reminder to say, hey, you know, whenever you listen to a podcast like this, it feels like this person just has everything going right. They're just firing on all cylinders. They're removing things that are not productive. They're hyper efficient. You know, they got family first and everything's just happy and just amazing. But you know, to your point, it's not always the case. Like it, it's, it's, it's not a perfect thing it's messy. Every single day, you know, comes with its own challenges, its own, you know, your own internal angst. And, you know, I love your personal motto, which is be bold, take action and maximize your opportunities financial freedom awaits. And obviously what you just talked about, I think is, can be weaved into that. It's like, be vulnerable, be real, be honest, because I think so many other people are dependent on that. And that's why I always ask, how are you elevating yourself and how are you elevating others? Because if you're just doing it yourself, that's selfish, but if you're giving it to others, you're creating tremendous impact. And at the end of the day, what is this all worth? If we're not making a difference, if we're not creating purpose for other people as well, man. So thank you for that reminder. Absolutely, man. It's a it's a
0: service mentality. It's an abundance mentality. It's incredibly important. It's critical to to make this thing work out. So
1: I totally agree, man. Jeremy, we could have gone for like five hours. I mean, I'm not even kidding right now. I mean, this was so much fun. So I just how you know much I love talking to you, man. So <laughs> thank you for having me. I know. I look forward to doing this again because I feel like we've got more in the tank, a lot more in the tank. So I'm very excited to see where you take this. Uh, very excited to see what you do and how you continue to make impact on other people, man. So thanks again for being on the podcast, and we'll see you soon. Absolutely, man. Thanks so much. Elevate Nation. Jeremy Tomes bringing massive value today. And I am amped. I'm pumped because I just feel like we just learned a lot. I mean, you know, this is somebody who's... You know, certainly firing on so many cylinders, as we just mentioned, I mean, definitely not firing on all cylinders in terms of perfection and all these things. So I definitely want to make sure that we all recognize that, you know, this this lifestyle and this this performance that he's really stepped into and made a habit is possible. It's not unattainable for you. And again, it's not perfect, but there's just so much to be learned here. And there's there's just years and years and years of growth that I think that we found today through this conversation. And I learned a lot today. I mean, there's things that I've got going on personally, professionally that, you know, feel overwhelming. And so the choice is, okay, well, are we going to focus on the overwhelm? Are we going to f- focus on the forward momentum, the delegation, the leadership, the things that multiply our time, you know, virtual assistants or team members or systems or processes or, you know, rules that we create in our life, such as, hey, my priorities are my family. And how do we actually build that into our daily cadence? What do those timelines look like? Getting clear with our partner, getting clear with our partners, getting clear with our team members on, hey, here's when you can reach me, here's when you can't reach me, and here's why. So, you know, I think it is just about kind of daily daily practice, but showing up every single day and modeling that excellence and preparing and keep competing. I mean, that is really, really cool. Uh, It was funny, I was actually in a workout the other day And the last song of the day was, uh, and I don't even, I don't remember the name of the song. I don't remember the name of the band. If you, if you know, maybe you could reach out to me and let me know, but it's, I get knocked down but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. I was like, oh, come on. That is exactly what I needed to hear. I get knocked down, but I get up again. You're never going to keep me down. I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. But I'll tell you that what a what a great message and one that uh, I hope you find valuable as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share, give us a rating, review, and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcast. Don't forget that we are here to pour in massive value to you. Also repetition is the mother of all skill. So re-listen to the show. I can guarantee I'm gonna to re-listen to the show myself. And there's just so much here that I would love to take action on personally, but I'd also invite you to do so yourself because at the end of the day, knowledge is not power. It is only potential power. The real power is in taking action. So I wanna encourage you to take massive action on what you learned. Maybe distill that down. What are your top one, two, or three key takeaways or action steps that you want to take as a result of listening to this podcast today. Until next time, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most
0: importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.